today we're gonna start talking about a new series that series that I have been studying for a couple for the last couple of weeks. And we're gonna be talking about the power of the blood of Jesus. And I tell you, I am excited just to study. I wish I can find a way to study 40 hours a week and that's it, you know, but too bad I have to do other things. But it was just so so far for me a lot of fun to dig into God's word. Um, I was just counting in the New Testament. There is roughly somewhere between 25 to 30 verses or scripture that mention the blood of Jesus in some way or shape or form. So I think that's what we're going to be um, going through for the next probably a couple of months or so. Just go through this scripture that mentioned the blood of Jesus. And we're going to talk about the power that we have in the blood of Jesus. Amen? I, I tell you guys, you're going to be excited. Exciting. So let's start by turning to the book of Hebrews. And today we're going to talk about the first benefit, uh, power, or blessing that we have in the blood of Jesus. And that is forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 21 and 22. It's in your notes. Um, Hebrews 9, 21 and 22. And here is what the author of Hebrews said. That out of the way. All right. Here is what the author of Hebrews said. I'm going to give you guys a second. And it's also in your notes here. Hebrews 9, 21 to 22. And in the same way, that's Moses, in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. That's verse 22 now. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood... There is no forgiveness. Jesus said, so that's the scripture right here that tells us that the blood of Jesus is essential. It's the only way for us to have our sins forgiven before God. But there's another scripture that says about the same thing. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 26, 28, when he was instituting the Lord's Supper. He said, for this is my blood of, a new, of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission or the forgiveness of sins. Amen? So these are the two scriptures. There's probably more, but these are the only two, I would think, that connect the blood of Jesus to what? Forgiveness of sins. So that is the first benefit we're going to be talking about that we have in the blood of Jesus. That it is because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross that we can be forgiven. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, we read the phrase, without blood or without the shedding of blood, three times. I think that's what we're going to be talking about for the next three weeks or so. So the first time we read without blood is in verse 7. We see there that without the shedding of blood, we cannot approach God. Verse 7, here is what the author of Hebrews says. But into the second only, that is the second holy of holies in the tabernacle. But into the second chamber, only the high priest goes and he, but once a year and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. So the author of Hebrews in chapter 
9 verse 7 saying that the high priest, in order for him to go into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God, he cannot do that without blood. That's number one. Number two, we also learn that inaugurating the covenant or a relationship between us and God could not have been done without blood. That's why he said in verse 18, Therefore, not even the first covenant, that's the Old Testament covenant, was inaugurated without blood. So that's the second thing that could have never done without blood. Number one, we cannot approach God or come into the presence of God without blood. Number two, we cannot have a covenant or a relationship with God without blood. And the third thing in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 that says without blood is that verse right here, verse 22. It says that without the blood shed, there is no forgiveness of sin. Meaning, you cannot be forgiven ever without the shedding of the blood of Jesus. Amen? So three things so far in that chapter that could never have happened without the shedding of the blood. Number one, getting into the presence of God. Number two, having any sort of covenant or relationship with God. And number three, have any of your sins forgiven. So let's stop at that last one for now. Um, I started studying for that verse, and then when I was studying, I saw these three things. It was too late to go back and go in order. So anyways, we're going to start with the forgiveness of sin first, okay? So here is what the author of Hebrews say in verse 22. He says that, indeed, and then notice what he says after that. Indeed, under the law, according to the law, look at this word, Almost everything is purified by blood. See, he says the word almost. He doesn't say that under the law, everything has to be purified by blood. But he says that under the Old Testament law, almost everything is purified by blood. Now, why did he say the word almost? Why he didn't say everything is purified by blood? Because there's a couple of incidences in the Old Testament, one in the book of Leviticus, one in the book of Numbers, when people can actually obtain ceremonial purification before God without blood. One incident we read about it in Leviticus, um, Leviticus 5, 11 to 13, when somebody is too poor to even afford a dove to bring it to God so they can slaughter that dove on behalf of that person. Then God said that this person can bring just a handful of flour and then they can bring it to me and I will take that as an offering and this person will be purified. So that's an incidence where in the Old Testament, someone can be purified without shedding of blood. The second incidence, we read about it in the book of Numbers, uh, 31 verse 22, and you're gonna read a little bit more, uh, I think till the end of the chapter or a few extra verses after that. When we read that, some spoils of war and some other vessels can be purified by water and by fire, but not necessarily by blood, okay? But everything else in the Old Testament was purified by blood. How come? Or what is the story behind that? In the book of Hebrews, right before that, the author of Hebrews tells us what was going on. So he says that in the Old Testament, Moses was starting a covenant with God and the people called the Old Testament. And in order for that covenant to happen, Moses took the blood of a bull 
and he sprinkled the book that was the Ten Commandments, the commandments of God. He sprinkled it with blood. And not only that, but he also sprinkled the people with blood. So in that way, by doing so, these people became pure, clean in a way so they can enter into a covenant with God. And not only that, but in verse 21 here, Moses is telling us that in the dedication of the sanctuary, after Moses built the tabernacle, he sprinkled the tabernacle and all its vessels with blood. Why? Why did Moses sprinkle everything with blood? Because God is so holy. And the, the community of people of Israel was just filthy, just like you and me. We're defiled. We're sinful before God. So in order for God who's holy to dwell among the people who are defiled and sinful, the people, and not just the people, but the tabernacle, the physical house, needed to be purified, even in a ceremonial way, so a holy God can come and dwell in it. And in order for that purification to happen, blood had to be shed, and the tabernacle and all its vessels need to be sprinkled with the blood of a bull or with a sacrifice. You guys follow me so far? So far good? So in the Old Testament... Because God is holy and the people are defiled in order, again, in order for a holy God to dwell among sinful people. Even the very house of God needed to be purified and sanctified. And that was done through blood. So the author of Hebrews pick up here from verse 22. And he said that almost, almost everything under the old covenant according to the law, he says, was purified by blood. Every single incident except that two that I mentioned to you. The things or the people can be purified by blood. But when he continued to the rest of that verse, he made a massive contrast. He said that even though under the law, according to the law, there are some incidents where purification can be obtained without blood, yet, yet, when it comes to the forgiveness of sin, there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. You guys follow what he's trying to say. He's trying to make a massive contrast between how some incidents in the Old Testament or some people can be purified without blood. But when it comes to that forgiveness of sin, he's saying that there is not a single sin in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Intentional or unintentional, intentional, big or small, there is just simply not a single sin that can ever be forgiven without the blood shed. Amen? Without the blood shed, there is no forgiveness of sin. So let's talk about that a little bit more. How is it that the blood of Jesus is important for us to be forgiven before God? When the author of Hebrews said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. <clears throat> The people that he wrote this letter to were actually Jewish people, and they became Christian. And for him to write to them and say, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, that's for them, oh, no problem. We get that. We understand that. Why? Because under the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, the law that Moses has brought, God... There was two kinds of sins. There is intentional sins and there is unintentional sins. Intentional when you actually plan to murder, to steal, to kill, whatever. And then unintentional when something happened that you miscalculated your tithe and you didn't give it to God as you're supposed to. And then later, oops, I made a mistake. I should have given $10 and I only gave 5 So I, I made a sin. 
So there's two kinds of sins under the Old Testament, intentional and unintentional. Under the Old Testament, every intentional sin have no redemption. If you intentionally sin against God, you're done. You have to be punished. End of story. However, under the Old Testament, God has provided a way for unintentional sins. Sins that you do, but you don't really mean to. God has provided a way for these unintentional sins to be forgiven. And what was that way? That God talks about that in Leviticus 4, 5, and 6, all these chapters. It's called a sin offering and a trespass offering. So what was going on is this. The person who committed a sin will bring a sacrifice, a bull, a lamb, a dove, according to whatever they can afford, a goat. And then they bring it to the high priest. And they tell the priest, I'm sorry, I sinned against God. And then they put their hand over the head of the sacrifice and confess their sins. And by doing so, it's as if their sins has been moved from them and has been laid over that sacrifice. And then the priest will take that offering, the sacrifice, and slaughter it. And then, by the sacrifices dying, it's as if it's as if this person saying, "I should have died, but this innocent sacrifice is taking my place." And then, in the book of Leviticus, we read that the high priest will take that blood from the innocent sacrifice and sprinkle it in three places in the tabernacle. Okay, that's in Leviticus, um, if you follow me all the way down, the very end of page number one, Leviticus 4, verses 5 and 7. The high priest will sprinkle that blood in three places, sprinkle it on the veil between the holy and the holy of holies, and then he sprinkle it on the altar of innocence in the holy place, and then he takes that blood the rest of the blood, and he poured it out at the base of the burnt offering in the yard of that tabernacle. So three places has to be touched by the blood. And when the blood covered these three places, God, who's holy and righteous, he sees that blood and he says, okay, you know what? That's the blood of an innocent sacrifice that took the penalty of the sin of that, that this person committed. And because somebody else had took the penalty for that person, now I can forgive that person. Now, I can, now this person can be forgiven if he asks for it. Do you guys see that? God doesn't take sin lightly, right? It's not like, oh God, I'm sorry. And God will say, oh, go free. You're good to go. When you go out witnessing, this is what people say all the time. It's like, well, God is going to punish sin. Oh, oh no, God is different. He's not like us, like going to count it and just keep track of it. He's just, when you say I'm sorry, he'll just let it go. And I'm like, what is the point of God going to give us a law if he's planning to forgive you anyway if you don't keep it? That's no point, right? He said, don't lie. And once you lie, he's like, okay, you're free. Then what's the point of saying don't lie, right? If God is not going to enforce his laws, then he shouldn't have given us laws to start with, right? And that's what we learn here. That God is not going to take sin lightly. If you sin intentionally, there is no sacrifice for you. You're done. And if you unintentionally sin, you have to go through that process and blood has to be shed so you can be forgiven. That's the Old Testament way. So when the author of Hebrews was telling the people who's reading his letter, who has a Jewish background, that without the shedding of blood, 
There is no forgiveness whatsoever. It made perfect sense for them. Because they know exactly what it takes for a sin to be forgiven. That a sacrifice needs to be slaughtered. And innocent blood needs to be shed to take the place of the guilty one. Amen? And in a way, what the author of Hebrews is saying here is this. Just as an innocent sacrifice needs to be slaughtered so the guilty one can be forgiven, so exactly Jesus needed to die on the cross. And his blood, just like the blood of the Old Testament sacrifice, is the only mean by which you and I can be forgiven. Because when Jesus, amen, Wayne, I love it. Because when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, his blood satisfied the righteousness of a holy and righteous God. And therefore, God is now willing to forgive you and me. Amen? How many sins can be forgiven without the shedding of blood? Without the blood shed, there is no forgiveness. Period. Not even a tiny lie that you didn't even mean. There is no forgiveness without the blood of Jesus being shed on the cross to satisfy the justice of God. Amen? Now, the word bloodshed, without the bloodshed, there is no forgiveness of sin. It's a very interesting word. Actually, in Greek, it's um, kind of a complex of two things. It's a hemaeko, or something like that. Hemaeko. It's two words together. The the first part is hema, which is hema, or blood. And then eteko, which is to pour out. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. But anyways, the second word is to be poured out or to be shed. And literally, this, when you put these words together, it's literally English bloodshed. It's a, it's a complex word of two words put together. And that's the only time, that's the only time in the whole Bible that this word exists. However, we do read a lot in the scripture that the word poured out associated with blood. So many incidences. Jesus himself said that about his blood. He said, this is my blood. We just read the verse. This is my blood. For the, this is my cup for the new covenant. This is my blood that was shed or poured out. Is the exact same word for the remission of sin. Right? He said that. He talked about the blood of um, the Old Testament saints being shed on earth from Old till the days of Zechariah. That's why he said that's the blood being shed. In the Old Testament, we read that the blood was shed a couple of times. Shed and blood a couple of times. For example, in the book of Kings, when Elijah was on Mount Carmel and he was mocking the prophets of Baal, he's saying, you know, just pray a little bit harder. And the Bible said they start beating themselves that their blood was shed or gushed out. And then another incident, we read that the blood was poured out. And that's important now. Remember when I was telling you about the ceremony, how a person can be forgiven through the sacrifice? The blood that was taken from the bull has to be poured out at the base of the burning altar in the yard of that tabernacle. And the same blood that was poured out at that base of the altar, it's in a way, that's what the author of Hebrews is saying here. The blood is shed, but it's also poured out in front of God so he can be satisfying to the righteousness and the holiness of God. Amen? So what the author of Hebrews is saying here, in a way, is this. Jesus' blood was shed on the cross, poured out from his body, but it also was poured out before God, so it can be satisfying to his righteousness and to his holiness. Amen? Without the shedding of blood, how many sins can be forgiven? None. Why? Because no one, the justice of God needs to be satisfied one way or another, right? And without Jesus dying on the cross and taking care of that, there is just no way we could have been forgiven. Amen? 
when I go out and witness, um, I ask people this question. Because I'm trying when I witness to drive people to that point to see how the blood of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection is the only way that we can be forgiven before God. So I ask them, if you stand before the judge and you're speeding, for example, you're 55, you're driving 55 in a 35 mile, and you're caught speeding, you're admitting to your guilt, and there's a $200 fine, and you're standing right now in court before the judge. Everybody knows you're guilty, you know you're guilty. The cop is there, he knows you're guilty. The judge knows you're guilty. There's no question about your guilt. What's your option at this point before the law? Nothing. You have to pay the $200, right? Whatever fine the Lord require of you, you have to pay. And you cannot go anywhere. There is no starter with you unless the law is satisfied. The judge should not care how good of a person you are. If I'm a pastor, he's like, good for you that you're a pastor. But guess what, pastor? You owe me $200 right now. You know why? Because you broke the law, right? And it's the exact same thing when it comes to God. We sinned against the holy and righteous God and we broke his law. We can be sincerely sorry for breaking his law. God would say, I know you're sorry. Trust me, I wish I can help you, but I can't. You know why? Because there is a block between you and me and that block called the law that you have broken. And unless that law is satisfied, there is no way I can even consider forgiving you. Amen? And that's why Jesus comes in. And that's why the blood of Jesus is important. It's the only way that you and I could have never been forgiven. Because Jesus, when he died on the cross, he took care of that block that was holding us from even coming close to know God. He satisfied the law of God. And now that the law is satisfied, God is willing and able to forgive and give us a chance for eternal life. Amen? Amen. Now... That's why the blood of Jesus is the only way that you and I can be forgiven. Because it took care of God's judgment and the law and the righteousness of God. Without the shedding of blood, how many sins can be forgiven? None. Some people are still trying to reach out to God through good works. They're still trying. It's like, God, I know I'm a bad person, but I'm trying my best. Well, guess what? You, you can try all what you want. You're just not going to go anywhere. Because it's not by works. Without that, does the Bible say without good works, no sins can be forgiven? Without the shedding of blood. How about without being sincere, the Bible says no sins can be forgiven. Does it say that? Without what? The shedding of blood. How about without trying hard, no sins can be forgiven? Does the Bible say that? No. How about without being truly sorry and repenting, no sins can be forgiven? Does the Bible say that? No. The only requirement for forgiveness is that the blood of Jesus must be shed. And because of his blood, everything can be forgiven. And without his blood, it doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. There is just simply no forgiveness without the shedding of the blood of Jesus. Amen? I don't know about you guys. You need to get more excited about that. Amen. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood. And because of his blood, you and I can be forgiven before a holy and righteous God. Now let's talk a little bit about that forgiveness. When God forgives, God forgets. I was thinking about that. Um, let's say Micah, my son. Let's say he likes to watch, he does like watch uh, YouTube on my phone. 
Let's say I told him, Micah, don't watch the uh, YouTube on my phone anymore. And he's like, okay, daddy, I'm not going to do it. And then he comes to me one day. And he says, daddy, I have to admit something to you. He's like, what, Micah? He's like, I actually watched some uh, YouTube videos today. And I told you I'm not going to do it, but I'm sorry. I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to let it go this time. But don't you ever do doing it again, okay? A week later, he comes to me and he says, Daddy, I have something else to tell you. What, Micah? I watched some YouTube videos again today. I watched Daniel. Uh, Daniel Tiger is my favorite. I watched it today. Guess what I'm going to tell him? I was like, boy, you told me last week that you're not going to do it again. And I forgave you, right? But here you are doing it again in less than two weeks. You better get your act together, right? That's what I'm going to say. Because even though I told him that I forgave him, yet I did not forget what he did. Amen? But the good news is this. Because of the blood of Jesus, when God forgives your sin, he forgets that you have ever committed this sin. Amen? Look at what the Bible says, how God forgives us. Number one, he says that our sin is covered before God. You can't see it because it's under a cover. Psalm 32, 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. You can't see it because it's under a cover. Number two, it's behind God's back. Look at what this God said in Isaiah 38, 17. For thou hast cast all my sins behind your back. Wayne, how many shares behind you? You have to look, right? You can't see it without looking, right? But God doesn't look back. It's behind him. He doesn't see it no more because it's behind him. Amen? Amen? It's kind of like this. I come to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I sinned against you. I lied today. And God is like, okay, I forgive you. A week later, I come back to God. It's like, God, I really am sorry. I did it again. God will like, did what again? It's like, I lied again. I told you last week that I lied, and here I am lying again. And God will like, yeah, I, I saw you just lying, but I didn't know you lied last week. No, God, I did. I did lie. Don't you remember? God will be, no, I don't remember, really. It doesn't ring a bell. Because when God forgives your sins, He forgets your sins. Amen? It doesn't come to mind anymore. It's behind His back. Number three, it has been removed. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Amen? Number four, he cast it into the sea. Micah 7, 19. Thou will cast all their sins into the depth of the sea. You can't get it no more because it's way down in the sea. Number five, it has been plotted out. Isaiah 44, 22. I have plotted out. I have wiped out as a thick cloud thy transgression and as a cloud of the cloud thy sins. That's number four. No, number five. Number six, not to be mentioned anymore. Ezekiel 33, 16. None of his sins that he has committed shall be mentioned unto him. And number seven, it has been forgotten. Look at that. Hebrews 10, 17. And their sins and iniquities I will remember how often? No more. It's gone. I don't remember it no more. When God forgives. Hey, Paul. Good to see you, man. When God forgives, God forgets. Amen? And it's all because of how good of a person you are, isn't it? It's all because of one thing. What is it? The blood of Jesus. Amen? And last point here is this. 
Repentance is the condition for forgiveness. Repentance is the condition for forgiveness. So it works like this. It's uh, like, let's say, um, Mike, again, my son, let's, let's pick on him again. Um, let's say he's going to college and he needs a car and he cannot afford a car. So what do I do? I go spend my own money to buy him a car. And then I come to him and say, hey, Micah, I have the keys for you. Would you like to take it? Even though the car is already paid for, even though I already purchased the car with my own money, and I'm willing to give it to him as a free gift, yet there is a condition. Something has to happen in order for Micah to enjoy the car that he can have for free. You know what is it? He has to accept it. He has to take the key, correct? He can simply say, well, dad, I like that, but guess what? I ain't going to do it. You know, I, I'm, I like to walk. And though the car is available for him, he's still not going to enjoy that free blessing for him. It is the same thing when it comes to forgiveness of sin. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for it. It's because of his blood that God is willing to forgive every single sinner. Every single sin has ever been committed. God is willing to forgive and forget once and for all. But there is something that you and I have to do in order to receive that forgiveness. And that is to repent. To repent. Look what Peter said in Acts 2.38. Look what he said. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission, the forgiveness of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. But it is not the baptism, it is the repentance. How do you know? Later on in Acts 3.19, he's repeating the same idea. He's He's saying, repent ye, therefore, and be converted so that your sins might be plotted out. So it's only repentance. Baptism in Acts 2 is just the manifestation of the condition of the heart, which is repentance. But it is truly the repentance. By repenting, you receive what Jesus has done on the cross for you. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the thing about repentance. If your sins, if you need your sins, need to be forgiven. If you need your sins to be forgiven, you have to repent. But when you repent, you have to repent of all your sins. You cannot just pick and choose and say, God, I, I like smoking, for example, or I like drinking so much. I really enjoy it, so I'm not going to leave that right now. But there's some other things that I can repent of today. It doesn't work this way. Jesus works this way, all or none. You give him everything or he's not going to take anything. Does that make sense? But all what God wants from you or me is just to be willing to repent, to leave everything. He doesn't want us to have the power to change. He'll give us the power. He just wants us to be willing to leave everything and full-heartedly follow him. Amen? Just remember that it is because of the blood of Jesus that our sins could have ever been forgiven. Amen? Without that cross, without Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood, it doesn't matter how repenting you are and how sincere you are. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But if you repent today, you'll take advantage, you'll take full advantage and benefit of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Amen? So that's number one, the power of the blood of Jesus. Apart from shedding his blood, there is no Forgiveness of sin. Let's all close our eyes and pray. Yes, Lord. Brother Mark, if you can play that last song for us.